Good morning, Grace Church. How are you doing today? All right. We're glad you're here on this snowy day. And I am so excited to, to begin the book of Philippians with you all this morning. And uh, the book of Philippians is, a, is really dear to me. When I was in seminary, I had to translate this book from, uh, English, from Greek to English. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a life-changing experience for me. And uh, it is a powerful book. And I want to show you some things today that I believe will be life-changing. Anybody here have problems in your life? You know? <laughs> book of Philippians is for you. Anybody have people problems in your life? All right. Well, that, the book of Philippians is for you. So let's pray, and uh, we'll just jump right into it. Father, thank you today for everyone here, God. I pray that your spirit would uh, be clear and evident here today. I pray that, God, that you would give me clarity and conciseness and, and Lord, the power of your spirit. I pray, God, that you would anoint what I'm going to say, and I pray that you would prepare your people's hearts for what they're going to hear, and I pray that we would all respond with a surrendered heart and a surrendered mind, and God, uh, we'll just thank you for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' holy and powerful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So Philippians is a personal, practical book. It's one of the most practical books that Paul wrote, and I love it. I love it to death, and I hope that you'll learn to love Philippians too. Over the next few weeks, we're going to work verse by verse through it, and uh, it will, I think it will be life-changing for you. It has been for me, and today we're going to deal with the idea, Paul's going to teach us how to deal with problematic people in our life. And uh, so if you've got people that are problems in your life, anybody that kind of gets under your skin, you know what I mean by that? You know, just people that you just, you see them at Safeway or Raley's and you just kind of walk the other way because you just don't want to see them, right? And you don't want to engage in a conversation. Well, we're going to talk about those people today and we're going to talk about how Paul de deals with problem people and uh, I, I pray and trust that uh, you'll just kind of lean forward. And what I love most about the book of Philippians is that the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. 17 times in this book, uh, the word joy, rejoice, or some form of that, be glad, some form of the concept of joy 17 times is seen in the book of Philippians. And so I want to just simply say, we, if there's ever a day that you and I need to live with joy in our lives, it's today. It is absolutely today. There is nothing worse, in my opinion. This is just Pastor Dan speaking. Smile at me when I say this to you. I don't think there's anything worse than someone who claims to be a Christ follower who is just grumpy. You know what I mean by that? I mean, come on now. I just think that that, you know, just, just don't tell anybody you're a Christian if you're going to live a life that you're just grouchy all the time. And, and uh, I want to tell you, you're missing out on the joy of, of the Lord and that's what God wants for your life he desires more than you desire for you to have the joy of the Lord so if you're discouraged if you're depressed if you're grumpy I'm glad you're here this book is for you <laughs> so I want to start with the idea I want to start with this idea I want to start with the concept that maybe just maybe there's somebody that you have in your life that gets under your skin just somebody, just somebody that comes to your mind as I'm speaking about it. I hope it's not me. That's my prayer today. It's just, just, it would just be awkward today if it was me, right? So I want you to put that person in your mind. And as, you're, as I'm speaking and as I'm, as I'm unfolding Philippians chapter 1, then I want you to just kind of keep that person in mind. And then I've got a project for you towards the end. So what we're going to talk about is four ways to find joy 
with difficult people. Four ways to find joy with difficult people. And the first one, right out of the gate, is to be grateful for the good in people's lives. To be able to have the discipline to see the good. Everybody, everybody has good somewhere, some way. Some, sometimes it's mass. Sometimes it's buried deep inside of them. But the truth is, is that I've got to learn the discipline of finding the good instead of focusing on the bad. Focusing on the negative. I've got to learn how to focus on the problem. The positive. In fact, is this is something that has helped me along the way is that I've got to remind myself every day, some days, that God loves the person that is under my skin as much as He loves me. Right? Isn't that true? God loves them just as much, cares deeply, cares in a, an amazing way about their life. And so that's what we have to keep our, ourselves, we have to keep in mind. So Paul was focusing on the good times, not the bad times. So let me just kind of rehearse the circumstances by which this book was written. Because it really makes sense. Everything that's written then makes sense. So when Paul went to Philippi, he didn't get this amazing reception. They didn't have a parade for him. In fact, the, the truth is he was arrested illegally. He was beaten almost to death, put in jail. And then eventually, eventually he was run out of town. That was Paul's reception. So when you would think, you would think that Paul, when he would think back on the city of Philippi, that he would have very bad memories of this particular city, right? You would think that. But the truth is, is that's not what he says in, his, in this book. Uh, and that is not how he lived his life. He focused on what he could be grateful for, and he left the, re the rest go. He, f he focused on what he could be grateful for, and he left the, the let the rest go. So some of the most powerful words that you can speak are these words, simple words. Do you know what I like about you? The power of words. You're going to see that in Paul's life. You're going to see what he speaks over the Philippians has power in it. And I'm just telling you, listen to me, listen to me carefully. You have power in your words. And the most powerful things that you can say to someone is look them in the eye and say, you know what I really love about you? And then you fill in the blank. I want to tell you, if you want to see someone's life change, that's how you do it. You begin to verbally invest in people's lives, emotionally invest in people's lives, and it has dividends along the way. I'm just telling you, Paul began to speak words over these Philippians that were life-changing, I, I believe, to their lives and to, those who, to everyone who heard them. Gordon MacDonald tells a story about a husband and a wife team who were who had started volunteering at a hospital in Massachusetts and they were three-day-a-week volunteers in other words they gave their time they didn't get paid a cent they would show up every like clockwork they would show up at eight o'clock they would put a whole eight hours in on a shift and they would do that three days a week and D Gordon McDonald was talking to them he's a member they were a member of his church and said hey so you know why do you do that because you could be snorkeling in Florida. I mean, come on now. You're giving your time to a hospital. Why do you do that? And this is what their answer was. This is what their answer was. Very, very powerful. They said simply this. About every 15 minutes, someone comes by who is an employee of the hospital and says, we are so glad you're here. You're doing an amazing job. From the president to the housekeeping. Every 15 minutes, somebody, is gonna, somebody walks by the desk that we're manning and says, man, what a great job you're doing. Thanks for being here. And I'm going to tell you, that creates a culture. That You understand the culture that creates? And so Gordon went on to ask the question, so you don't find that culture in the church that I'm pastoring? And they said, sorry, pastor, we just don't. 
And it's amazing that that culture isn't in the church. Do you understand what I mean by that? It's amazing that that culture isn't in the church because you have, in your words, you have the power to change the person sitting next to you. You have the power to make a difference in their day, a difference in their week, a difference in their life by the words that you speak. In fact, the Bible says in the book of James that our words are like the rudder of a ship. They have the, they have the capability of directing the whole course of life. And what is spoken to people has also the same kind of effect on people's lives. Think about the words that have been spoken to you and either how positive they were or how devastating they were. Words mean something to people. And Paul learned that as he focused on the best in people's lives and spoke that over their lives, that he, lear he learned from, from his own personal experience that uh, it made a difference in their lives. It, it made a difference in how they lived. So if you're tracking with me, if I'm going to be able to do that, especially for that person that you had in your mind that gets under your skin, let's go back to that person for just a minute because we're really talking about how do I deal with people that are problematic for me. So... Where do I start? I start by speaking words into their life, over their life, to their lives. That's where I start. I start by looking for the good and speaking in their life. But if you're tracking with me, you've got to understand something. Is that for you to be able to do that, you have to first and foremost forgive them, right? And to forgive them, you have to look at the cross in your own life. You have to be, you have to be able to see, you have to focus on the cross and see the cross for exactly what it is for you. The fact that God took a wretched sinner like you, a wretched sinner like you, and poured his love into you, and poured his forgiveness into you, and transformed you from the inside out. That's what God did for you, and that's what God expects you and I to do for everyone, including, listen to me, including our enemies. So how do I deal with the people that get under my skin? First, I focus on the best in their life. And forgiving, how do I know if I've forgive, forgiven somebody? Forgiving means I choose to turn my focus from the bad and put it on the good. That's how I know. When I can start doing that with my enemies, I know that I have forgiven them. And the truth is, if you ain't, if you ain't forgiven, you ain't living. It, it robs you of your own soul. And uh, you have to learn how the discipline of remembering the best and forgetting the rest. That's how Paul functioned. Now we come, that's verse 3. Now we come to verse 4. Verse 4 says, whenever I pray, this, he's, he's praying this over the, over the, he's saying this to the Philippians. Whenever I pray, I make my request for you all with joy. I make my request with joy. Paul is a happy prisoner here. He is chained to a Roman guard as he is speaking these words. And he says, whenever I think of you, I pray for you all with joy. And it is a focused life, and Paul's life was focused on others. So let's talk about, for just a few minutes, uh, about the idea of gratitude. So gratitude is a big buzzword today, right? Everybody's talking about it. Both Christians and non-Christians are talking about gratitude. And it's a beautiful word. You and I should have gratitude in our life. So we're going to take a little test to see whether we're really a amazing grateful person that we think we are okay so smile at me before we start so how many of you all think that maybe you have some gratitude in your life just kind of raise your hand okay okay so i'm i'm going to go out on a limb here i'm going to suggest that probably when you think that you have gratitude what you mean by that bear with me smile at me what you mean by that is that 
you, you know, you, there's things that, you know, you're blessed by God, right? I mean, you got, you know, you got a good house, you got a good car, you got a good, you know, you got a good life, you got a good wife, you know, all those things, you know, I'm, I'm blessed, I, you know, I'm just blessed. I'm, and, and what all those things have in common is they're all centered around you. And that is okay, but it isn't really the kind of gratitude that God wants to develop inside of your life. I mean, even unbelievers have that kind. They, they begin to recognize and tend to begin to recognize. But for believers, God takes us to a different level. So there's a step two in our gratitude. And the step two of our gratitude and how I really know whether I'm grateful is when I'm really grateful for others. When I'm really grateful, when I see others being blessed and I'm not, I'm okay with that. That's gratitude. That's where, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where we really learn to be the kind of Christ follower that God has for us. And so gratitude isn't just a word that we use. It is a, it is a practice of life. And gratitude at the highest level is when I am grateful for the things that God is doing in other people's lives. That's genuine gratitude. So what was it that Paul appreciated about these Philippians? He said, every time I think about you, I, I pray for you with joy. So what was it that he thought about these, these Philippians? Well, verse 5 says, For you've been my partners in, in spreading the good news about Christ from, the t- from this time, from the time you first heard it until now. He was, he was grateful for their loyalty. He saw in their soul, not just because of what it did for him, he saw in their soul that they were partners with jesus and as a as a result of being a partner with jesus they became a partner with him so but he was genuinely grateful for who they were they were not only loyal to god but they were loyal to paul his servant so let me ask you this question who has been loyal to you are you grateful for them? Are you grateful? I mean, do you, do you, do you just, are you just ha- have this sense of gratitude in your heart because someone who is just simply loyal to you? Not because of what it did for you, because of the genuine characteristic of loyalty in their life. That is inspiring. Now, that's the first step. The first step, if I'm going to deal with the, the, the bad in people's lives in my life, I've got to focus on their good. Step number two, or principle number two, It's found in verse number four. I've got to practice the art of joyful praying. Verse four says, whenever I pray, I make my request for you all with joy. The quickest way to change a relationship from bad to good is to start thanking God for that person in prayer every day. The way you change a relationship from bad to good is you start praying for that person with joy in your heart and with genuine joy just say God produce the joy in my life and and just with a joyous spirit begin to pray for that person in a very practical way so where would you start what would you pray for that person where you know God don't give them hemorrhoids I mean where would you start where would you start with that kind of I mean this is the person come on now this is the person that's under your skin right so where would you start let me show you what Paul said in verse 9 he says I Things just sometimes slip out when I'm preaching. I don't know. Sometimes it's Dan and sometimes it's the Holy Spirit. You judge of what that is. Verse 9 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation 
the righteousness character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. There are four things that Paul prayed. I'm just going to you know, reduce this down to four simple things that you begin to pray for that person that's under your skin. First of all, you pray, God, would you please have them grow in love? That's what Paul prayed for the Philippians. Would you have them grow in love? These are the group of people that kicked him out of town. Would you cause them to grow in love? Would you give them the ability to make wise choices? That's number two. Would you do, cause them to have the ability to do right things? And would you allow them to live for your glory? Those four things, four simple things that you begin to pray every day for that person that's under your skin, and I'm going to give you a money-back guarantee, it will change your level of love for that person. And it will reduce your level of irritation for whatever they're doing that's irritating your life. That's the truth. It is the absolute truth. So how else do we find joy in people? Well, the third thing is that we must be patient with their progress. You all understand there were different levels of progress. So I want to show you a verse. It's found in verse 6. I want to give you a really kind of bigger view of verse number 6. So let me read it to you, and then we're going to come back to it. Verse 6 says, and I am certain, this is Paul writing to the Philippians, and I am certain, I want you to make a mental note of the word certain, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns, when Christ Jesus returns. So let's go back to the word certain. So I don't, I rarely do this, although I read Greek, I rarely bring Greek into the services because I don't want, I don't, Unless it really matters, I don't really think you need to know. And so, but in this case, this really matters. So in the Greek language, and don't roll your eyes, we'll go over this really quickly, and you'll be a Greek scholar when you walk out of here. <laughs> in the Greek language, there are different kinds of tenses. And one of those tenses is what is called the perfect tense. Whenever the perfect tense is used in Greek, whenever it is used in Greek, the reader of the Greek will go, whoa, this is a big thing. This is a big deal because it's rarely used. It's normally, aorist is the most normal tense, and this is, this is not the aorist. This is the perfect, and when the perfect, this is what the perfect means. Let me kind of transliterate it for you. It says, I am certain, I was certain when I first met you. I am certain today, and I'm going to be certain and to forever and ever and ever. I am absolutely certain, and this is Paul's way of explaining his confidence in their level of growth. This is what he's saying. I am certain that God who began the work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ. So here's how I need to see people. I need to see them this way. I don't know where you are in your journey, but I know you're in a, progress, a, a process. And this is what I know about you. If you have crossed that line of faith, this is what I'm certain. I'm, I was certain of it last week. I'm certain of it today, and I'm going to be certain of it next week that whatever God has begun in your life, he's going to finish. That's what I'm certain of about your life. I'm certain of that. Whatever God has begun in your life, no matter what it is, no matter how small it is, he's going to finish it. He is going to finish it. Now let's go back to that person that gets under your skin. If they are a Christ follower, let me just simply say, I don't know where they are in their journey. But here's what I know. I knew it yesterday. I knew it today. And I'm going to know it tomorrow. This is what I know. I know for certain that whatever God does, he's going to finish in their life. And if you take that attitude, it changes your view of that person. You see them from a different perspective. 
And as you see them from a different perspective, you begin to love them at a different level. So this is so powerful and so amazing and so great that God finishes what he starts. So let me see, let's just unpack this a little bit further. And so that we can see that we're all in a process. There was a, a young man walking down a country road one day. He passed a farmer. And the farmer was standing there in his field. And, and so the young man was on his way to the next town. So he says to the farmer, how long is it going to take me to get to the next town? How far is it? And the farmer didn't say a word, just kept on his own business. And so the young guy just kept on walking. He walked about 100 yards, and the farmer yelled out, hey, the next town's about 20 minutes that way. And it kind of confused the young man and said, uh, well, he yelled back and said, well, why didn't you tell me that two minutes ago when I walked past you? He said, I needed to watch how fast you're walking before I could tell how long it would take <laughs> you to get there. So that's the, that's the nature of our progress. You know, the fact is, is that I'm in a different place than you are. And that's, you know, you're probably further along the way than I am. I just get the opportunity to get up and make a fool of myself every weekend. That's the only difference between the two of us. But the fact is, is all of us here today are in a different road, in a different place, in a different station in life. And what I've got to learn to do is I've got to learn, I've got to learn to be patient with where people are. And if I can learn to be patient, and how do I do that? How do I learn to be patient where, with where they're at? I really look in the mirror at where I'm at. <laughs> and when I really see, when God exposes to me where I'm at, then I can say, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, God, I'm going to give a little grace here because I'm not where I think I should be most of the time. Are you? I don't think, I didn't think so. You're not where you're supposed to Are you perfect yet? You're going to be someday. According to the Bible, you're going to be perfect someday. It's just not today. And so if it's just not today, then you ought, to, you, ought to get, you ought to ask for the same grace for the person sitting next to you as you receive. And as you begin to do that, it is life-changing, it is powerful, and it changes how you see where you're at. I love this verse. There's a passage of scriptures found in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So here's what I want you to see. Christ's followers are all becomers. We're just becomers. We haven't been saved. We're being saved. We're becomers. We're all in a different process. And God, God doesn't have a cookie cutter where he gets out and stamps us all the same. We are all have these personalities that are different. We all have a different level of rebellion. We all have a different level of surrender. We all have different different differences and so the bottom line is is that God takes us individually and the spirit is sent into our life and the spirit leads us along this journey and here's all we know we don't know how we're going to get there all we know is we're going to get there someday someday one day I am certain of this that you will be absolutely perfect in every way I am certain of that if you're a Christ follower so the last principle of finding joy in people is that I have to learn to love them from the heart. I've got to learn to love them from the heart. Verse 7 says, and by the way, if people aren't on your heart, they're going to be on your nerves. Just know that, okay? So verse 7 says, So it is right that I should feel as I do about you all, for I have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in the defending and confirming of the truth of the gospel, the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. 
So how then, this is the million dollar question, how then can I love people that are unlovable? How can I do that? How can I love people that are under my skin, on my nerves, out of my graces? How do I love my enemies? How do I do that? So I'm going to tell you, if you get what I'm about to say, it'll be worth your price of admission here at Grace Church this morning. I promise you that. So I'm going to answer that question. The way that you love people who are unlovable is you see it from a different perspective. And the way that you see it is you see yourself partnering with Jesus. He's the, he is the ultimate partner. He is the one that is in charge, but you're a partner with Jesus. You see yourself in partnership with Jesus saying, God, I'm your hands, I'm your feet, I'm your mouth, but I'm your partner. You're the managing partner, God, but I'm a partner in this relationship. And so I partner with God. I visibly, physically partner with God because he has them in his heart. I partner with God saying, God, how do you want me to love them? What do you want me to say to them? How do you want me to treat them? I look at God as the ultimate partner in this relationship. Instead of just writing people off, you've probably done that, haven't you? Instead of just, instead of just avoiding people at the store, instead of, instead of just figuring out isolation for yourself so you're not exposed to them, the truth is, is what God wants you to do is become a partner together with Him so that you can love Him or them with His love. How much does God love? How much resource does God have to love somebody? Immeasurable, right? I'm telling you, this is life-changing. This is powerful. When you become, when you think about this, <clears throat> that God has given you a partnership in this thing. It's no accident that they're under your, your skin. It's no accident. God is waiting for you to become his partner. Because what he wants to tell them, what he wants to show them, what he wants to do with them is indescribable. But he's waiting for you to become the partner with him. Because the truth is, you might be the only Bible that they ever read. And they may not be sitting in this auditorium listening to Pastor Dan. They may be your next door neighbor. They may be somebody that is just so ridiculous over the top that it's, you just simply say, God, this is your problem, not mine. But I am surrendered to you to be a partner with you in loving this person. Who is it that God brought to your mind? just a few minutes ago right now here's what I'd like you to do without reservation I'd like you to say in your heart not out loud today Jesus I'm your partner in loving and you fill in the blank I don't know what that looks like for you Jesus does but I know it works and I know it's powerful and I know it's changing and if nothing else changes but you that's a win that's a win. If nothing else changes but you, the fact is, is God has made you th that much closer to Him. They may never, ever receive your love. That's okay. I'm not in charge. I'm not responsible. All I'm responsible for doing is being God's partner. Doing what He says. Saying the right words. Doing the right things. Taking the right, 
having the right humility, whatever it is. I'm just responsible. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm only responsible for being a partner. And I'm not the managing partner. I am just a partner. He does the outcomes. He does the results. I just obey. And when I obey, it changes people's lives. It changed, it changed the lives of these Philippian believers because of what Paul did, because of Paul's perseverance. Paul could have written Philippi off, but he chose not to. He chose not to. Powerful book. Come back next weekend, and we'll talk about how to deal with your problems. Is that a deal? Yeah. All right, let's pray. And I assume you meant that for Jesus, not me, because he's the managing partner, right? <laughs> so, you know, what's, before I say this, this is a beautiful thing. Before, I, before we end, I'm in a partnership with God to love you. You understand that? I'm in a partnership with God to love you. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm just responsible for delivering what he says to deliver. And you are in a partnership with Jesus. This is what I love the most about it. You're in a partnership with Jesus to love me. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> It's a beautiful relationship. Amen. That was a joke, by the way. Come on now. Stop being so grumpy. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this day. I pray, God, that you'll take the words that I've spoken here today and use them for your glory. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name. Amen.